with Pinky. As we mentioned at the end of our previous episode, March is going to be sort of a theme for us. Pinky and I both went to college at the University of Kentucky, and although this team is nothing to write home about this year, the basketball team is usually pretty good. So we are theming this month as March Madness. Every episode that we are covering this month is a Kentucky-related crime. This was Pinky's idea, so I'm going to turn it over to her and let her talk about how this idea came about. So uh, around this time last year, I think we started hearing about coronavirus in January. Um, But this time last year is when all the shutdowns and mandates started happening. And like I said, for us in Kentucky, March Madness is a really big deal. Um, College basketball is a really big deal, not just for UK fans, but for University of Loserville fans as well. And I just wanted to kind of like reignite that fire because last year was a bummer. I mean, that's it's really people outside of Kentucky or people who aren't big on college sports probably make fun of us. But like (laughs) March and April is a really fun time, especially if you live in Lexington. There's so many events going on. People are, you know, having parties. They even do, you know, tailgates and parking lots and stuff. It's it's a really fun time. So we didn't get to experience that last year. And I know in the grand scheme of things, that doesn't really matter. Um, and like Carly said, you know, the team this year is kind of trash. <laughs> <laughs> so let's liven up the month by doing, you know, some true crime uh, March Madness. And I always try to show Kentucky love as much as possible, showcase Kentucky, highlight Kentucky, whether that's through our podcast or, you know, just different um, musicians, artists, movies, books, whatever about Kentucky, I like to throw it out there. So this is our ode to Kentucky and college basketball. So welcome to March Madness edition. Great. Sounds good to me. So the episode we have today is jam-packed with four unsolved cases in Bardstown, Kentucky. Now, if you're a true crime fan or from Kentucky, you likely have heard of these unsolved cases that we are discussing today. They are pretty modern, and they unleash the conspiracy theorists in all of us because, at first, they weren't thought to be related, but now many people think that they are. These are the unsolved murders of Bardstown, Kentucky. On May 25, 2013, around 2 a.m., 33-year-old Bardstown police officer Jason Ellis had just completed his shift and began to head home to his wife, Amy, and two little boys. This was just another Friday night to Officer Ellis because, according to the Courier-Journal, Officer Ellis had seven years of law enforcement under his belt. Officer Ellis was a canine handler but didn't have his canine FIGO with him on this night, so he was in a, a different police cruiser. So I'm not sure if any of you guys are familiar with this or not, But if a police officer is a certified canine handler and they have an assigned canine to them, they will have a police cruiser that signifies that. It will have something like canine unit um, on the vehicle to differentiate it from the regular police cruisers. Another important thing to note is that the regular police cruiser that Officer Ellis was in that night, as opposed to his regular canine cruiser, did not have a dash camera. As he exited the highway, he saw some kind of debris in the middle of exit ramp 34, right off of the Bluegrass Parkway. Around 2.30 a.m., Officer Ellis pulled up to this debris, got out of his car to remove it from the ramp, and at this time, he could tell that this debris 
entailed several large tree branches. Not only was this, was this a public safety issue for all other cars that would use this exit ramp, but he literally could not get past these tree branches because it was in, they were in the middle of the road. According to the police museum, in the time it took him to open his door, climb out of his car, and pick up these branches, Officer Ellis was shot in his arm, side, neck, and head, killing him at the scene. The next bit of information is conflicting. So according to the police museum, pulling up behind the police cruiser on the exit ramp was a woman in a Toyota Corolla. However, Unresolved reported that it was a teenage boy in the Toyota Corolla and he was the designated driver for two intoxicated family members, which accompanied him in the vehicle. Either way, the person in the Toyota Corolla was unable to pass the police cruiser and was sure that there was some reason that the officer was sitting right off the highway, so they patiently waited. According to the police museum, at 2.36 a.m., distillery worker Chad Monroe also tried to exit the highway via exit ramp 34. The same one Officer Ellis and the person or people in the Toyota were stopped at. Chad got out of the car, approached the Toyota Corolla to ask what was going on, and then when he realized that the tree branches were blocking the exit ramp, he assumed that the police cruiser was parked because the police officer was removing the debris. He walked towards the front of the police cruiser to help move the debris when he saw Officer Jason Ellis's body surrounded by a pool of blood. Chad rushed back to the Toyota Corolla and yelled to call the police while he tried to save Officer Ellis's life. At 2.40 a.m., a woman climbed out of the Toyota Corolla and then into the police cruiser and used the police radio to signal dispatch of the situation. Um, I'm going to have Pinky add the audio of the um, when the woman calls for help on the police cruiser radio so it's kind of lengthy um, and so we're only going to put like a clip of it here hello hello officer down officer down Officer Andrew Riley and Kentucky State Trooper Mike Gariantis were one of the first people on the scene. Officer Riley was Officer Ellis's absolute best friend, and at first, Officer Riley thought that his friend had been hit and dragged several miles, but it was later determined by the Nelson County Coroner Ray Hofflin that Officer Ellis had been shot several times by a 12-gauge shotgun. Officer Ellis was escorted to the medical examiner's office where many other tests would be run and photographs would be taken. According to the police museum, Kentucky State Police immediately began their investigation, but would soon find out that they didn't really have any leads. Bardstown Police Chief Rick McCuban made a statement just four days after the murder of Officer Ellis stating that there was reason to believe that the tree branches were planted on the exit ramp right before Officer Ellis exited and that he was ambushed. Okay, that that was what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if um, that was like a setup. Yeah, so like this next part that, we're getting ready to, that I'm getting ready to talk about um, is this is what made them kind of seal the deal um, that this was an ambush and that these were planted. 
So during the investigation, the tree branches from the exit ramp were compared to the tree branches in the general vicinity of the highway and they could not find any similarities, meaning that whoever put these branches on the exit ramp brought them from somewhere else. The case is still open, but according to the FBI's website, there have been no suspects named. As of January 2014, the Kentucky State Police Department posted a quarter of a million dollars for information regarding the murder of Officer Jason Ellis. So I have a little fun fact nerd moment. Uh, I work with highway designers and transportation engineers, and I think that's why this initially sounded funny to me is because whenever a highway or an exit ramp, anything like that, is being designed in the preliminary phase, they almost always consult an environmental engineer or a geotechnical engineer. So they assess what type of environmental impacts would affect the ramp. And then they have, like I said, geotechnical engineers who will do like drilling and stuff to remove whatever they need to have removed, whether it be trees or whatever. So normally, I mean, obviously accidents happen, um, especially considering like what just happened here a couple weeks ago when, you know, there's a lot of ice and rain and snow and tree branches fall and block roadways. But a lot of times that's already been taken into account. So something like that happening just seems kind of fishy out of the blue. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to say was, was there a reason why his best friend thought that his that Officer Ellis um, had been drugged? Um, so I read a little bit about that on Police Museum, and basically what it said was that when his friend got there to the scene, that the um, bullet holes were so small that he thought it was gravel punctures. Mm. So he thought that that was, um, that he had been, like, dragged so many miles um, and that 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 was what happened to him, that he had been punctured by gravel. Gotcha. Because whenever you first said that, it made me think, like, he sounds suspicious, yeah. you know, because yeah. like, why would you, why would you think that, or why would you insinuate that? But I guess that makes sense since the wounds were small. During April of 2014, the Bardstown community was still heartbroken from the loss of Officer Jason Ellis, but they would not catch a break as it approached the one-year anniversary of his murder. On April 22, 2014, 48-year-old elementary school teacher Kathy Netherland and her 16-year-old daughter, Samantha, did not show up for school that morning. This was very out of the ordinary for the two, according to WHAS 11. Kathy and Samantha were very consistent and very dependable, and even if they were sick or they decided to take the day off from life, they would have notified someone, especially so that someone could sub for Kathy's elementary students. According to Unresolved, an administrator from Kathy's school began contacting the Netherlands family members, making sure that everything was okay because, like I said, this was beyond strange behavior for Kathy. Finally, Kathy's father, Norris, picked up and agreed that he would drive to where Kathy and Samantha lived just to do kind of like a wellness check type thing. As Norris pulled up to the house, he acknowledged that Kathy's car was still there, so that must mean that both Kathy and Samantha were inside. 
Norris went into the home, but what he found would be something that he would hold on to for the rest of his life. He found Kathy and Samantha, but they had both been brutally murdered. According to Wave 3 News, Kathy had been shot several times and her neck had been cut too. And Samantha had been beaten severely in the head with her neck cut as well. Just like in the Officer Jason Ellis case, not even one year prior, the Kentucky State Police Department opened up an investigation. Kentucky State Police Trooper Jeff Greger told Wave 3 News that because of how gruesome the crime scene was, that it's a good possibility that it was a personal attack on the Netherlands. The two were said to have been murdered around 8 p.m. the night of April 21, 2014, and the Kentucky State Police described a black Chevrolet Impala as a car of interest in this case. This specific car, which is believed to be somewhere between a 2006 and 2013 model, was seen close to the Netherlands neighborhood the night of the murder. The case remains open and unsolved, as the only lead the police had to go off of has dried up. Crystal Rogers, mother of five and Bardstown resident, went missing on July 3rd, 2015. Her mother officially reported her as missing on July 5th after uh, she called and tried to contact her daughter several times. This was unusual um, for Crystal because Crystal often didn't do anything or go anywhere without her children. Like I said, she's a mother of five, so uh, this concerned people. Um, on that same day that her mother reported her disappearance, Crystal's 2007 Chevrolet was found parked with a flat tire by mile marker 14 of the Bluegrass Parkway. According to Wikipedia, the keys were still in the ignition and her purse and cell phone were also found inside. So uh, they found the car and all of her belongings were in there um, on the same day that her mom reported her missing. A K105 article stated that her boyfriend, Brooks Huck, was publicly named as a suspect in her disappearance, and his brother, Nick, who is a former Bardstown police officer, was actually found hindering the investigation of Crystal's disappearance. Once this came about, um, once this came to light, especially um, to his superiors, they quickly uh, terminated him. Her boyfriend, Brooks, denied involvement with her disappearance and was never charged. The FBI soon took over uh, on the role of lead investigative agency. Forrest Berkshire of the Kentucky Standard said more than 150 state and federal officers began executing nine federal search warrants and will be conducting more than 50 interviews in Bardstown. So in July of 2020, there were actually some remains, human remains found. Um, the Courier Journal reported this. The remains were found right on the border of the Washington County and Nelson County line, which is around the same area that Crystal went missing. But in November of 2020, the Nelson County Sheriff's Department told the public that the remains were not those of Crystal Rogers, and she has now been missing, missing for nearly six years. That's so sad for her kids. Yeah, um, I didn't. I didn't do too much of a deep dive on this one, but it's it's always somebody's family member or brother or somebody who knows somebody in the system that gets caught. Like, I'm not gonna say he was pulling strings, but they said he was hindering the investigation. He was tampering around or whatever. Um, no charges were ever brought against her boyfriend, but it just makes you wonder, like. 
what was the brother doing if his brother wasn't a part of the disappearance? I will tell you shortly. Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Tommy Ballard, Crystal Rogers' father, had a rough time after the death of his daughter, but that was nothing in comparison to what would happen to him. According to the FBI's website, shortly after his daughter Crystal's death, Tommy took to Facebook and organized a page called Team Crystal. This page was designed to be somewhat of a memorial page for the late daughter of his, but it was also heavily dedicated to bringing Crystal home and finding answers. On November 19, 2016, Tommy and his 12-year-old grandson arrived at his son Casey's property on Ed Brent Road, which is right next to the Bluegrass Parkway in Bardstown, for a hunting trip that had been planned for some time now. Tommy's wife, Sherry, told Wave 3 News that Tommy hunted on the same property quite frequently. In fact, he was known to go out to the family-owned property every Saturday during hunting season. But on this particular Saturday morning, Tommy and his grandson arrived at that field between 6.30 a.m. and 7.30 a.m., and according to the Kentucky Standard, they began setting up the area where they were going to hunt. Tommy's grandson walked back to the truck, which wasn't parked far, to retrieve something, and when he got to the truck, he heard a gunshot. He walked back to the area where he left his grandfather, only to find that Tommy had been shot in the chest with a rifle by an unknown subject. WDRB.com reported that only 30 minutes after Tommy and his grandson left to go hunting, Sherry received a call from their 12-year-old grandson who was hysterically yelling, Papa's been shot. Sherry called 911 and rushed to the property. According to the Kentucky Standard, this shot immediately killed Tommy, leaving his grandson alone but alive. The Kentucky State Police opened an investigation but barely had any leads at all. The only thing they could come up with was that the shooter was probably hidden along the tree line waiting and that Tommy was a target. According to WLKY, the FBI still has a $10,000 reward posted for any information that could lead them to the arrest of the murderer. The Ballard family also posted a $20,000 reward for information regarding the murder of Tommy Ballard. So, um... I put, I just wanted you to look at this and see how close um, they were hunting to Bluegrass Parkway. So the pin in this picture is where the house was, mm-hmm. or house is, and the yellow is the Bluegrass Parkway. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like we have talked about in the past couple of these, um, like, the Jason Ellis and um, the Crystal Rogers, they were both near or on the Bluegrass Parkway. So that's just a little bit too coincidental to me. Mm-hmm. So the conspiracy part of it. If you guys haven't listened to the podcast Bardstown by Jessica Knoll, you should. She, explained, she explains each of these murders one at a time and in more depth than we have today. She also has interviewed several police officers and community members of Bardstown to get more insight. So we talked about a lot today, and that's not even where it ends. Many people, myself included, believe that these murders are connected in some way. 
I'm not necessarily saying that the same person committed these murders, but it is just too coincidental for me. It just doesn't sit right. So one of the things that Jessica mentioned in her podcast, Bardstown, is that each of these murders happened near a holiday. Jason Ellis was murdered on Memorial Day weekend in 2013. Kathy and Samantha Netherland were murdered the day after Easter in 2014. Crystal Rogers disappeared 4th of July weekend 2015. And days before Thanksgiving 2016, Tommy Ballard was shot while on a hunting trip. So, I agree. It's sort of strange. But... I'm not sure that I really believe that these murders were like centered around holidays or anything. So I feel like every day <laughs> is kind of near a holiday. <laughs> like right now we are a couple weeks past Valentine's Day and a couple weeks right before St. Patrick's Day. So I don't know, maybe you have a different opinion about that. Um, I'm not sure about that one either. Uh, and I don't want to jump ahead, but I just think as far as them being connected, as far as there being conspiracy. Like I said, well, like we say every episode, we're from Kentucky. And whenever you think of Kentucky or whenever you hear about Kentucky, you normally don't hear a lot about Bardstown, Kentucky. Um, living in Lexington, I met a few people from Bardstown. Um, there's Bardstown Road in Louisville where it's like a strip of, you know, bars and clubs and stuff. But outside of that, you don't typically hear anything about Bardstown. So to me, it's just kind of weird that there was this yearly murder occurrence and they were all cold cases. So that's all I have to say about that right now. Okay, I can see that. One thing I can say that I find a little bit odd and maybe too much to be a coincidence and I didn't come out and say it until just now because I felt like it would be too difficult to explain if it wasn't all said in the same sentence. Officer Jeremy Ellis worked with a guy named Nick, what'd you say, Huck? Yeah. Nick Huck. Nick had a brother, Brooks, who was dating Crystal Rogers at the time that she went missing. In fact, according to Oxygen, Nick was fired from the Bardstown Police Department in the fall of 2015 for interfering with the investigation when he warned Brooks that the police were going to question him, telling Brooks that the police, quote, might try to trip him up and to, quote, protect himself. But there's nothing really to link Kathy and Samantha Netherland to these people. I have read several posts on Reddit, and I feel like this most might be the most popular conspiracy about these murders, is that one or more of the victims heard stuff or saw stuff about drugs that they were not supposed to. Again, this is all speculation from Reddit users, but one user said that they believe that Jason Ellis and Nick Huck were involved in drugs during their time as police officers when Crystal overheard or saw something that made her question them. So she had to be murdered. And before she disappeared, she told her father, so he had to be murdered as well. I also want to say that we are not speaking ill of any of the victims of murder, but we are just reading what other people believe to be the connection in these cases. So I took to my own research, like I do, and here is what I found. According to the Kentucky State Police website, and for the city of Bardstown only, there were six homicides in 2013, four homicides in 2014, four homicides in 2015, and eight homicides in 2016. 
Without looking up any of these other cases, my question is, why were these four homicide cases the only ones that were drawn up together? It's definitely not because of the overflowing evidence or plentiful leads, because in all of these cases, their leads dried up rather quickly, and there was almost no evidence whatsoever. I do feel that there was something going on, but I cannot confidently say that these five people were murdered by the same person or people, or for any reason that ties them together. What I can say is that I believe that the Netherland murders were not tied to the Officer Ellis, Crystal, or Tommy. Again, all speculation and opinion, but Pinky, what do you think? Yeah, it's definitely strange to me that Nick and Officer Ellis worked together, Crystal disappeared, and then her father got murdered. That's a lot for me. Um, I don't really know the population of Bardstown, but I'm about to look it up. So give me one second. 13,000 people. So fairly small place. Um, our hometown has around 20, between like 19,000 and 21,000. And almost everybody knows everybody. So it's safe to say that when you live in a place like Bardstown, you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Or your cousin's best friend is married to your uncle or something like that. So I can see how things can be connected, but that that right there, the sequence of Officer Ellis, Nick being the boyfriend. It's Nick, right? Nick is the brother. Nick is of the Brooks. brother of Brooks. My bad. Brooks I'm is getting Crystal's confused. boyfriend. Yes. But all that is just too close uh for comfort too close to whatever anyway i don't know like i like carly said like why are these why are these four drawn together and why are they all essentially cold cases right like and so like i said i the other homicides that were in those years i didn't look up they could have been solved i have absolutely no idea um i didn't i did not look that up but i just i can see Officer Ellis, Crystal, and Tommy, Crystal's dad, being put together. I can see that. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it is a stretch for Kathy and Samantha Netherland. Yeah. And I read something, and I didn't put it in the notes, but I I read it from Crime Museum, that um, they kind of tracked down the, the, the list of people that or that uh, Kathy and Samantha knew. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they didn't know these people. They, right. like, Kathy didn't teach these people in school. Samantha didn't uh, go to school with any of these people's family members or anything like that. Like they, like, they went down the line trying to figure out what is the connection, and they could not find one to Kathy and Samantha. And their, their murders, like Carly pointed out, were different in the sense of it was gruesome, and it was gruesome to the point that it could have been personal. So they kind of leaned towards the inkling that they knew, that the victims knew who murdered them. Like it could have been family member, family friend, whoever. But yeah, that's 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 the differentiator for me. Um, the other murders weren't as personal. The Netherlands, that, yeah, 
that that seems like bad blood between people. Um, right, like both of their their necks were slit, mm-hmm. um, and then Samantha's head was beaten in. Yeah. So you have to. That's not just like somebody shooting you from the tree line. Yeah, as opposed to being shot or disappearing. This is right. You had to get up close and personal, and like, you know, physically do damage with your hands right. uh, to these people. But like Carly said. We just touched on it. We just touched on it. There's a really good podcast out there. What did you say the lady's name was again? Um, her name is... Hold on a second. Uh, Jessica Knoll. She does it with... There's another girl too, but she's like the main host. Mm-hmm. And it's... And if you... Like I use Apple Podcasts, but if you go uh, wherever you listen and just type in Bardstown, that's actually the name of the podcast. And she does an episode for each murder so she goes really into depth she talks to police officers she talks to community members of bardstown like she gets the lowdown on this kind of stuff when we first started doing our podcast and i was getting in different like podcast groups and forums on social media just doing my research a lot of people were like asking me essentially asking like how we say how we stay safe And I was like, the difference is, like, we take what we do seriously, but at the same time, we're not doing this investigative stuff. You know, everything that we report to you or we discuss has already been, like, put out there on the internet, and it's, you know, been written by other people, and it's been sourced. So we just kind of retell it and give our opinions and speculation. But when it comes to that podcast, like Carly said, She's out there talking to community members. She's out there getting the 411. So we highly recommend it. And there's something else I was going to say. Oh, and when it comes to like local stuff, some some of the stuff that happens in Ashland, we do a little bit of that, but we won't talk about it, but that's went <laughs> that's went bad for us. But, you know, if if something is local, we try to, you know, at least ask around um I've said it a million times this is a small area so you always know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody so we dig deep on more of the local stuff but we just kind of wanted to touch on this um another one of those Kentucky things and just you know basically shout out the Bardstown podcast because it's super dope I did listen to a few episodes someone introduced it to me a couple months ago and I wrote it down that we had to do it um but I think that's it for Bardstown right yeah, that's, that's it. Um, these <laughs> cases are still, I guess, cold cases. Um, I mean, there's been no progress. Each of them, they all have rewards out for them. So if you know anything or know somebody that may know something, please tell somebody. Yeah, the thing, the thing with Crystal is, like, she's just, she is missing. Uh, I know a lot of times when this much time has passed by, that a lot of people tend to believe that that person is dead. And obviously I don't wish that on anybody, but that one, that one stands out to me because the other ones, you know, these people were either shot or stabbed or cut open. They have their bodies. Right. They have their body. Crystal is just, mm, there's no leads. They don't know what happened to her. They don't know where she is. They thought they found human. Well, they did find human remains, but they didn't, they didn't belong to her. So that's the one that's kind of, all of them are tragic, but that's the one that's kind of tough to swallow for me, especially since she has five kids and it's just, 
probably something constant every day. Like, they have that hope in the mm-hmm. back of their mind at all times. But, yeah. anyway, on a lighter note, <laughs> you yes. want to tell them about the crime of the week? I do. So, when I was trying to decide what um, crime of the week to pick, I was trying to decide between two. So, the one that I did not pick, I'll just briefly tell you. And it's kind of funny because Pinky texted me earlier and said that she had a dream that these cats were attacking her. And the crime of the week that I did not choose was that this woman was fighting with her partner and she threw the cat on his face to attack him. So that's just kind of... Y'all, in this dream... (laughs) I know y'all don't care, but listen, in this dream... My house, my mother's house was infested with pythons and boa constrictors. And they were like all these huge exotic snakes. And they were just everywhere. In the kitchen, in the bedrooms, in the yard. And while we're trying to get that situated, these two cats just jump on each, like one on my right hand, one on my left hand, latched on, biting me, scratching me, tearing me up. And like I'm looking at my mom and my aunt and I'm begging them, help me. Help me. And they don't do a single thing. And Trav Irwin. <laughs> yeah. And then my cousin Travis, he's just walking around like Steve Irwin with his snake hook, just getting up all the pythons and stuff. Like it's this everyday thing. Like he's from Australia or something. So I was tired this morning. I was exhausted. I was fighting all night. So yeah, that was that was odd that she came across that one. But the real crime of the week. Yes. This is the this takes the cake, I believe. <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma Police Department responded to a home where a woman said someone was breaking into her house while her and her two small children were home. The woman who attempted to burglarize the home fled from the scene after dropping a bag of Cheetos and a bottle <laughs> and a bottle of water <laughs> right outside the window that she entered and exited through. The woman had pried off the screen of the window went inside and left shortly after without stealing any items from the home after she realized that there were people home. The victim was able to identify Sharon Carr as the suspect after police found her by description near the crime scene. Later, police were able to link Carr to this crime based on the Cheeto residue on her teeth. Mm-mm-mm. Sharon Carr was charged with first-degree burglary, and she didn't even steal anything, and she got caught because of Cheetos. So, you know, whenever I'm getting ready for a burglary, I always got to make sure <laughs> I got a snack in hand. <laughs> got to have a snack pack, you know, Cheetos, Fritos, something. Something to get me through. And I about peed my pants when I was at work today because literally the headline for this, it says, Cheeto dust on teeth leads to burglary arrest. On the teeth, though. When Whenever I first saw this in the notes, I just glanced at it, and I thought I thought they were going to say they found che- They found the girl's fingerprints in Cheeto dust. <laughs> oh, I'm hot. But the teeth, the teeth. Oh, man. Brush your nasty teeth. (laughs) And eat before you go rob somebody. Why are you eating on the job? Why are you robbing somebody on an empty stomach? (laughs) Oh, my God. So that is our crime of the week. I can't think of a better one that we've done so far. Um, But... 
Pinky, do you want to tell them what our episode is next week? No, I don't. Because <laughs> we are still working on getting some things scheduled, but it will be a case in Kentucky. Um, we have uh, about three different things to choose from, but we need to get two of them locked down with a plan. So it'll be a surprise. We usually start promoting our new episodes on Tuesday, so you guys will know by Tuesday for sure what we will be discussing. Um, aside from that, our area just went through the snowstorm, the ice storm that we spoke about. Uh, but this week, our area, well, kind of outside of Ashland, but anyway, um, they're going through major floods right now. Some Ashland area, some, you know, in Ironton, some Greenup County, some Carter County, major floods. Um, there's been a lot of rain and then, you know, obviously all the snow and ice melting, that didn't help. So prayers, good vibes all that to the people who are suffering. Hopefully you guys get a break sometime soon. And also, I just wanted to say we've been in a super, well, I'll speak for myself. I've been in a super funk lately. And we mentioned it that the past two or three episodes haven't been our best, but Carly has been doing what she needed to do to keep us on track. I had a deadline earlier in and the I year. I didn't do anything at work this whole week, so. <laughs> earlier in the year, I had some health things going on and then, you know, work and not really sleeping or eating to get the work done. So she's taken over and done a real good job. The past two weeks, in addition to having a husband and a baby and a dog <laughs> and her own job, so shout out to the jail tracker queen. But we'll be back. We'll be <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back on Tuesday with another March Madness Kentucky themed episode. So, love you like a bro and sis in Christ. Oh gosh. Holla, baby, for me. Now.